Welcome to the Middle Church Podcast, a multicultural, multi-ethnic, intergenerational movement of spirit and justice, powered by revolutionary love with room for everyone. No matter where you are, how you look, or who you love, we pray this podcast will help you on your journey. Here's this week's sermon. You know this story. It's not new to you. The story of communication. The story of a miracle, una milagra of communication. The Jewish people from all over the known world, meaning the Roman Empire, came to Jerusalem to celebrate the Festival of Weeks. That's called Shavuot. Shavuot? I sometimes don't pronounce it correctly. But it's the Festival of Weeks, meaning seven weeks after the Passover, the Jewish people celebrate the giving of the law, the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai. So all the people made a pilgrimage to, um, to Jerusalem. I want to say that that list of cities is a kind of a political list. Um, it's not just a spiritual list. It's like a, these are the communities that were inhabited by, uh, occupied by, one might say, Rome. And so when we hear this list, I remember Christian Unthank reading this one year when he was about eight, thinking what a boy could read these names at eight. This list is meant to evoke for us a kind of completeness of territory. Of course, it's not the Americas. Of course, it's not Turtle Island. But it is the Roman Empire. And the, and the list is to kind of intimate that though these folks might have been taught that Caesar was God, the, the real message here is God is God. The spirit is God. And the spirit can go where it goes. So this list of names from all over the world, you're going to hear this again at the end of the month, so I'm going to try to get to a place we haven't gone to. But they are speaking, the disciples, the Galileans, are speaking Aramaic. They're speaking Aramaic. But the Asian hears, you know, Mandarin. You know, they're speaking Aramaic. But someone hears um, Swahili. I mean, they're speaking Aramaic. And someone hears Latin. They're speaking Aramaic. And someone hears the language of Libya. That is the miracle of translation, the miracle of the spirit making this possible. I want to pause to say, when I was a young Christian person, the speaking in tongues thing was like a rite of passage. And if you were going to speak in tongues, the, the goal was no one would know what you were talking about. It would be the tongues of angels or something, someone. <laughs> and you would know what they were talking about, and they wouldn't know what they were talking about, but an interpreter would know what they were talking about. And that was the gift of glossolalia. Did anybody else go through this thing? We're going to pray that you get the gift of tongues, and then you'll be holy. Um, this is not that. <laughs> this is not unknown tongues. This is... Suddenly, I can speak Japanese because the spirit enables it. I think it's a different kind of a miracle. So friends, what I want to talk about today is how we're trying to speak in tongues at Middle Church, right? I mean, it could feel like we're always trying to do something. You know, the worship team, like, what are we going to do this month? We are always trying to find a way to speak in the tongues that represent the diversity of our community, right? I'm so proud of that. Do you remember when those judges all came? Okay, y'all do remember the judges. The judges all came. 
as we were doing Lunar New Year because it was Black History Month and Lunar New Year. And all those black judges came in up and they're like, wow, there's a Kyoto player. What does this mean? Has nothing to do with black America, but everything to do with middle church speaking in tongues. When John and Natalie are planning worship and it's Mexican music, Mexican feel, but also the Asian feel, this is us speaking in tongues. I'm sorry. And it's, and it's Jazz History Month, because it's April. So todos is happening, right? So we're trying to smash up, smash up these celebrations, not because like it's culturally correct to do so, and actually it's not always easy to do so, but it's our way of saying to you, to us, we see you, we feel you. We feel your artistic, we feel your story, we feel your particular journey. We feel you and we want you to feel seen and known and heard and loved. Because in fact, this Pentecost miracle, when all those gathered get to hear the good news of God's deeds of power in their language, it's a lesson for church. It's a lesson for church that you don't force fit how you say the Lord's Prayer on people. Gotta say debts here. Got to say trespasses here so that it's orderly. It's a lesson for the church that welcome is cacophonous, that welcome is messy, that welcome is loud, that welcome is awkward, <laughs> but that we're trying to do it anyway. We have to speak in tongues, which is to say in our diversity, we also have to be particular. So we could say that all of God's people in this planet have been oppressed by someone, and that's a fact. But the particularity that belongs to our Asian siblings is the tongue we want to speak some this month. Because their story doesn't get as much press, quite honestly, as the other stories, right? There's not a big southern border fight about immigration, right? There's not a big, there's not a big Black Lives Matter campaign there is not so much even energy in the system, meaning our governments, our news, our media, as even for our queer siblings, right, and our trans siblings. Asian siblings are like the quiet minority in our culture, accused of assimilation, celebrated for assimilation. Do you understand what I'm trying to say, right? Characterized and caric caricatured. Violin playing, math wisdom, sexy women, nail salons, living up in a big old house together, buying up the black hair care salons in the black neighborhoods, and charging you for your hair grease. Come on, somebody. That's the kind of stuff that cooks around our Asian siblings as opposed to their particularity and their unique struggle in this nation. Am I singing your song, Gloria? We must know our Asian siblings and speak in their tongues. We must know their language, their culture, their hopes, their dreams, because we are each other's people. And the way we honor that is we learn some stuff that we don't know and we stumble through the language that we don't know, and we tiptoe through some history that we don't know, and we learn it, and we make it ours. We're going to speak in some tongues while we celebrate Cinco de Mayo.
which is not Mexican independence, but is a good war that they won anyway. <laughs> and we're going to think about our Asian siblings. I say this as I look at this room and I think to myself that we are all of us in this room traumatized love warriors. Traumatized love warriors who hold in our bodies, in our hearts, in our collective psyches, in our spiritual minds, the deep wounding that has happened to all of us and to each of us, everywhere, everything, all at once. We can get caught in a kind of oppression Olympics, if we're not careful. Whose people the most traumatized? Who people had the most struggle? Who, uh, oh, my people, you know, that's not what we want to do. We understand, actually, in the spirit of Ubuntu, I am who I am because you are who you are. Ubuntu, Ingabuntu, Ingabantu, a human is a human through other humans. We want to understand the glorious pain is my pain, right? We understand that my pain is Lars's pain. We understand that our human community is all suffering because some of us are suffering because it's like our arm is cut or our toe has been smashed or our heart has been cracked wide open. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So that every time one of these things happens to some of us, it reverberates for all of us. And we can say, it's not my turn, but deep down inside our soul, we're aching also for all of the things that have happened. There's a gun shooting. And no matter what, no matter who it is, we remember the first time we heard of the first gun shooting that we heard of, right? The mass shooting. Was it the University of Texas at Austin? Or was it Columbine? Or was it that post office shooting in Oklahoma? Or was it the kids in Sandy Hook? Or the teenagers in Florida? Or the queer kids in the nightclub? Or was it the Asian aunties? Was it the Asian aunties at the Atlanta spas? The one shooting will make the Asian folks tremble and hurt and ache because of the Asian aunties. And somebody else will be thinking, what is with you killing the queer people? And the grief is the same at root. It is that our hearts are all cracked wide open. And the cracked heart, the broken heart, can be a place of deep mourning and compassion, but it also can make us feel angry and hurt and therefore a little stank. Does everybody know what I'm saying? Cranky and crabby, but it happens. We have, um, that's just the guns, right? Our memories also can conjure up those lost to other kinds of violence. And I'm saying violence is our national pastime right in here. This is not a skip to my do, this is not a skip to the Lou My Darling kind of sermon, right? We, America, are the wild, wild west every daggone day, right? We, we, we mourn the people choked, shot, beaten, hung on the altar of racial prejudice. We think about a young black man protecting his parents in a Mississippi diner. Or we think about the young white man who jumped in front of the bullet that was meant for Ruby Sales and saved her life, right? Or we think about the white lady that drove the people around in the South, Viola, and was killed, the priest that was beaten. We think about two brothers named Kennedy and a man named King. We think about the Asian woman in her apartment and another in front of a subway train. Do you feel what I'm saying? This and this connect us all together because we're so unbelievably brokenhearted that these things happen on our watch. And then there's the homeless man on the F train. 
I want to stay with my Asian family for just a second. Do you know that between March 20 and March 21, 68% of the violence is done to our Asian siblings were done to women. Women, hypersexualized women, caricatured women, seen as weak and passive and therefore abused. When these violence happens to, to glorious people, they happen to me. When this violence happens to you, it happens to me. When the violence happens to the man on the train, it happens to all of us. And when we think about the violence, we know it's just not physical violence, it's the psychological violence done by keeping people out, down, left out, put apart, set apart. The Chinese Exclusion Act was the only law in the United States designed to literally keep out a whole ethnic group of people, signed on May 6 of 1882. Did you know that? I think a lot of our school children don't know that. I, I think that they don't know that. I don't think that they know that the Chinese people, the Jewish people, handicapped people, disabled people, were left out of being able to be citizens in this United States because of this law passed in 1882 that was not fully repealed until 1965. Because you're a gypsy, because you're a Jew, because you're Chinese, because you're disabled, you are not welcome here. Do, and at the same time that we're trying to snatch the books out of the schools so that we don't want our little precious children to know the truth of the story, the story that binds us all. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? The story that binds us all, sadly, the story that binds us all is hurt people hurt people. Traumatized people traumatize people. Disenfranchised people disenfranchise people. Those white guys who thought they were coming to this land to make a free space were actually traumatized people who came here to make a free space. Can you believe I'm standing up for the white guys this one second? <laughs> what in the? <laughs> I'm trying to say even those guys who felt disenfranchised by the monarchy, you feel what I'm trying to do? Even those guys who felt like they didn't quite have as much power as the king, did not have quite as much power as the extra rich landed gentry, came traumatized and brought their trauma and traumatized the people on the land and traumatized the people who they stole from the land. And that trauma is still in all of us. That's all I got to say about nice white guys. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you that the thing that binds us together can be, if we let it, the fact that human beings will, left unguarded, under the right amount of pressure, excruciatingly abuse and wound and hurt each other. And those wounds go over and over and over again and come back to bite us in the behind or stab us in the heart or break our souls, despite what Beyonce says. And so, we've got to speak in tongues. We've got to be able to say in the tongues of each other, I see your hurt, and I'm sad about it. I understand your pain, and I'm going to stand with you around it. 
I can feel how you just feel disenfranchised, and I'm going to stand up for you, with you, because you're my people. I'm not going to stand on top of you to get to where I want to be. I'm going to stand with you, climb down out of the balcony, and see you, and love the world with you, so we can make a world that our children deserve. Which is to say we've got to learn something, right? Which is to say we can't have a theoretical justice faith. We have to have a learned, powerful examination of history and nation state and politics and policy because this stuff is just broken. <laughs> and isn't getting better. And our little ones deserve us to be really warriors for peace. And I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but I mean fierce commitment to making a better world because we're not afraid to speak in tongues and say the truth about what it is. We're committed to speaking tongues and tell each other stories in the world and know them and make them ours and be transformed by them. And this is the last move in this little moment. Not afraid also to speak the tongues of our own heartbreak and vulnerability. I don't know about you, but one thing that happens to me when the world is on fire is I fake fears. What are we going to do about this from the fiercest place possible in my psyche, where when sometimes what I want to do is curl up in a ball and cry because it's too much. And I actually don't know that I feel like I have agency and power to make a difference. Am I the only one that feels that way? So it looks brave. It looks fierce. But it's a facade covering up the, oh my goodness, I can't stand it anymore-ness that I feel. And as an empath, when you're feeling that, I feel that triple. We also have to learn to speak in the tongues of truth. I'm hurting today. I'm frightened today. I'm tired today. I can't do this today. I don't want to today. Will somebody hold my hand today? Will somebody take this cup away from me today? Can we tag in and out of the river moving toward justice because we just say, I cannot do it and make a way for someone else to get in the game with us. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Your staff <coughs> is trying to learn how to speak in tongues. We are small <laughs> and mighty and still trying to run it, right? Trying to run it like we've always run it. And it's not the same. Do you know why? Because we're homeless. And we feel that deeply. We don't even have an office to go to, to kick it with each other. 
we are out of body, we are out of place, we are out of sorts, we are out, <laughs> we outdoors trying to do the thing. And I want you to know that some of the tongues we're trying to speak in is, I'm not okay, can you help me with this? And I want you to join us in that, like journey to truth and vulnerability. Am I making sense here? We can't just do one language, like the language of shout, or the language of you know, protest, or, or the language of um, legislation change, or policy change, or like, uh, yes, all of those languages. But the other language of vulnerable and um, squishiness that invites, I think, real relationship with each other. So my squishy parts and your squishy parts can hang out. And we can strengthen each other's squishy parts and take turns being fierce. Because the other language of I can't is right there. Is this right, John? No tengo un pelo en la boca? I have no hair in the mouth? You got to give me a little something, something, John, that I know that idiom. Yeah. In la boca. I have no hair in the mouth, right? I'm going to tell the truth. That's what my Puerto Rican friends tell me. So let's not have hair in our mouth. Let's both proclaim our multivocal intent to bear each other's burdens until we don't have burdens to bear. But let's also declare to each other we're going to be authentically us and really speak also vulnerable and speak help me and speak sure I got your back. Speaking in tongues will get us to tomorrow together because I am who I am because you are who you are. And, you know, you kind of complete me, okay? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening, friends. To learn more about Middle Church, visit middlechurch.org. You can help grow this movement of love and justice by rating us on Apple or Spotify, and by sharing this episode with a friend or two. Send us an email at info at middlechurch.org if you have any questions or comments. We hope you'll come back next week. Bye for now. <laughs>